Just like a muscle, here we will grow stronger for his sake and for the sake of the gospel. So please, brothers and sisters, join me here at Jacked for Jesus. Welcome back everybody to Jacked for Jesus. My name is Andrew Kufal and today we are starting a new series on the armor of God. And this is something I've wanted to talk about for a little while. Um, I was debating about talking about this with um, the tactics of Satan or like spiritual warfare and whatnot. But I decided I want to talk about this kind of on its own. Um, it's going to be the only thing we're talking about in the series. I'm going to each day of the each day or episode of the series. I'm going to isolate one of the specific pieces of the armor of God, and we're going to talk about a little bit about it a little bit more in depth. We're going to break down why these things are important, um, why Paul talks about these things, and why it's this imagery of putting them on. Um, so, these episodes might not drag on for a long while, um, but each episode we're really going to deep dive into the specific thing we're talking about. So, I hope it's fruitful for you guys and insightful. Um, and today, to start things off, we're starting with the belt of truth. I'm just going to be going chronologically with how um, Paul words it in um, in Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm just going to go from there. So today we're talking about the belt of truth. To start things off, I just want to go ahead and open up with prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for this amazing day. Um, for allowing me to come boldly to your throne, Lord, out of a place of gratitude and love and peace and grace. Um, and only by relying on your grace and your faithfulness, Lord, can I do this. Only by sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to take the punishment for our sins, can I do this, Lord. Only by sending your Holy Spirit to dwell with us, Lord, um, can I do these things. Thank you, Lord, for creating the universe and for finding the universe so um, so well, Lord, so that we can flourish and we can have abundance here in this world. Um, and I pray that as people look around the world, as people meditate on the world and the earth and creation, um, that they would, they would begin to see um, the glory of your power and the glory of your character and your nature, Lord. That they would see that we are intelligently designed, um, that we have been cre created, that we um, do have a purpose in this universe, that we um, aren't necessary to exist, but we're existing for a reason, that we're being sustained for a reason. Um, and it's all, all because of your will, Lord, that we are here. It's only by your will and your grace that we can have eternity with you in heaven. Um, by believing in your one Son, Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that as we talk about the armor of God, we would also put on these things, that we would um, really diligently seek these things and um, just abide in these things, that we may abide in you and abide in um, your grace and love and joy and peace, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the truth and for opening our eyes to the truth um, so we may seek you and understand your ways, Lord. Um, I pray that you would bolster us and encourage us in this time. And um, Holy Spirit, please go ahead of me and before me in this episode so that it may not be my opinions being vocalized, but rather, Lord, um, may the audience hear you, Lord Jesus Christ. I pray all this in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. Okay, everybody. Uh, let's start off, and each day of this series, I'm going to just start things off by reading this whole verse um, where we get this armor of God from Paul. Um, this is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 17. 
Again, this is the ESV translation, and it, go, it goes as follows. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand an evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Um, yeah, so today we're going to be breaking down um, the belt and truth, and it's interesting that Paul starts with this, and I don't think it's unintentional. Um, but let's kind of break this down a little bit further. So the armor we're looking at is the belt of truth. And when we look at this analogy of this armor of God, there are a couple things to note um, before we dive into this conversation. And first, just to be clear, this is metaphorical. We're not literally putting on a belt. We're not literally putting on shoes. We're not literally putting on a shield. We're not literally wielding a sword. Um, but the imagery of this metaphor is important to understanding these critical aspects of Christianity and this doctrine. Um, these things are important. And the imagery you would get from um, the armor of God is important for this as well. Um, while we are being sanctified and while we are being shaped by the Lord and while we are growing more practically righteous, um, these um, pieces of armor, per se, are key areas where we can only withstand spiritual warfare by what God gives us. This is important. Um, God challenges us and um, wants us to grow more practically depending on him and that takes some of our own effort um, being sanctified and growing closer to the lord does take effort on our part um, but in these areas we cannot rely on our own strength that's the difference we have to rely on god for these things without god these aspects of christianity these aspects of the armor of god um would not exist they wouldn't be grounded in anything they would not be defensive um facing against Satan. Um, and so while we are doing, and while we are putting effort and trying to live more righteously, to do good things, these things are not things that we put up. These things are not things that um, we can build for ourselves um, if I may continue the analogy, but it, rather it is God-given. Um, but how we use these things are important and the imagery of this um, couple of verses illustrate that. Um, truth is listed first, and this makes a lot of sense, um, since Satan rules by deception. So if we take a step back and look at Satan, we understand that um, one of the reason he's fallen is because of his pride, because of an ego inherently. Um, but the way he confuses this world and keeps this world in his grasp is by deception. If we don't know the truth, um, then we cannot be set free. And so by deception, by deceiving, just like he did in the garden with Adam and Eve, he can have influence and power by deceiving. But if we know the truth, um, then this deceiving doesn't hold up anymore. Um, and we need to know the truth to be able to understand that we are being deceived in the first place. Um, without this standard of truth, um, anything's kind of subjective, everything's kind of relative. Um, and we can't understand what's deception and what's not. And so putting on the the belt of truth first allows us to distinguish good and evil, right and wrong, truth and deception. 
And this is important if we're even going to try to counter a spiritual attack. To even be able to counter a spiritual attack, we have to know that a spiritual attack is happening. And that's why um, Paul lists the belt of truth first. It's because truth is what we need to be able to d discern and to decipher what is attack, what is not. What is truth, what is not. Um, but let's look a little bit closer at the topic of truth and what truth, um, what's, what is what is its significance? Why is it so pivotal to the Christian faith? And I have a lot of verses here. I want to read from John chapter 4, and I also have a couple of other verses to add on to this. And we're going to paint a more clear picture of, um, of truth in the eyes of God. So if you all would like to join me, I'm going to be reading just the whole chapter of John 14. Um, and go from there. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And to clarify, this is Jesus talking. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That's where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and yet you, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, If you love me, you will keep my commands, my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it is neither, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live. You also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not the Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us, and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that, that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance 
all that I have said to you. Peace I leave, I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the rule of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Okay, so that was John chapter 14. I just read it all the way through, and there's a couple of things I want to go back and talk about and enunciate a little bit more. The first reason I wanted to read this is because Jesus Christ makes the claim that he is the way, the truth, and life. And this is significant, um, because this, is, this gives us a couple of, of standards here. So the three ways is the way, the truth, and the life. So, the way implies a path, um, or a morality, or... Um, guidance or commandments, something like that, which he gives us all of these things. He is the path to the Father, but he also gives us the way, in the sense that he shows us the way to live. He shows us the way to go about life. Um, but the other, uh, the other two aspects here is the truth and the life. The truth being um, that God is truth, that God tells the truth. He is truthful. He is honest. And really, um, we have this idea of objective truth. We know that there are things that are true, just objectively true, and things that are not true. And God defines what is true and what is not truth. So whatever he says is truth. Anything outside of that is a distortion or a lie or a deception on what the truth is. This is what Satan uses to attack. Um, but other things to note here. Um, Jesus is so very intelligent, and he appeals to us to believe in him. But he doesn't just say, just believe in me, just because. Um, he credibilizes himself. He says, my words are not of my authority, but of God. And to, if he was in, to, the, to the Pharisees, this is, this is important, because they didn't really think Jesus was uh, of God or from God. So him saying, my words are not my own, but rather God's words, um, is critical. Um, he also, and I don't think it's not in this chapter, he also claims that he is the law of Moses. So the same idea of this authority, um, he is the commands. But he also says he is the life. And now this could be deceiving because we think, well, don't we already have life in a sense? We have physical life on this earth. And that is true. And I would also say that the physical life we do have still comes from God. But Jesus is talking more in a spiritual sense here. He's saying, all of us who are fallen humans have died in the eyes of God. Um, we are spiritually dying. And when we pass from this earth into the, uh, the next life, um, being heaven or hell, then we all deserve to burn in hell because we are spiritually dead. We are spiritually rebellious to God. So through Jesus, we can be made righteous. And I'll talk about that a little bit more when we look at the breastplate of righteousness, but this is important for this conversation. Uh, <laughs> my cat's running around the bedroom. Uh, hopefully, hopefully he doesn't become a ruckus here. But and the third part is um, the truth. I I already talked about the truth in life, so that kind of, that kind of that kind of sums it up. Um, Jesus claims to be the truth, and this is very important. This is very very important. But the other thing I was saying is that. He also appeals in saying, if you don't believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, um, 
because of what I say, then you can believe me because of my actions. And this is a good, this is very interesting. We look at the Paul and the Apostles, and we know by reading through the Bible, that they do miracles and signs and wonders um, like God does. And Jesus talks about this here. He says, you will do works like I have done. Um, and greater works, which is not greater miraculous works, I don't believe, but more like greater works practically. We will have larger ministries than God has done. But we will, we can, um, through whoever God chooses, um, signs and wonders can be presented and done through us. And Jesus even tells us that. That's why we see the uh, the Paul, Paul the Apostle and these other apostles doing these signs and wonders. And it's interesting because they also do the same thing as Jesus is talking about here. They go out in truth, speaking the truth, but there's also this action that cannot be explained by the world's definition of all these things. So it's a supernatural um, action that credibilizes the word of God. And and Jesus was the first one here, um, since he is the way, the truth, and life, to talk about this. Um, I think that's an interesting parallel to um, the ministry and the journey we see the apostles take. And then, this is the other reason I wanted to talk about this chapter, is because he talks about sending his Holy Spirit. He says the Holy Spirit will teach us and will remind us of what he's taught us. And this is important, because teaching, when we teach, we teach the truth. We're teaching something specific. And so, uh, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will come in and teach us and remind us of the things that Jesus has told us. And so, in a sense, if, if this was like a school... Jesus is curriculum, and this other person of God, the Holy Spirit, is the teacher. And only through the Holy Spirit can we have proper understanding of the truth. Um, and that's, that's very important. So we have two things we have, to, we have to do. We have to put our faith in Jesus Christ um, to have our sins forgiven, uh, to follow Him. Again, that's what say, Jesus is saying, believe in me. That's one. But on top of that, he talks about the Spirit of Truth, or the Holy Spirit, teaching us and reminding us of His truth. There's, so there's this duality here. Um, and both of these ingredients are important for the recipe of salvation and of sanctification. Um, there's a lot more I could say about that, but I think I want to move on to some of these other verses here. Um, the next verse I have is Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22. It says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. Here's another verse. This is John 8.32. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And here's the final verse. In John 4.24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So with John 14, with these other aspects, we kind of get this picture that truth is very powerful. One, truth is what sets us free, according to John 8.32. Um, so knowing the truth is being set free. This The, the truth makes us free. Um, and so there's this other aspect of it. If the truth sets us free, if the Holy Spirit teaches us the truth, then the Holy Spirit is necessary for us to truly understand this truth and to be set free. But we also have to have the truth, which is Jesus Christ. He says, I am the truth. And so this is another example of where Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit are necessary for this recipe of salvation. 
with this recipe of sanctification and going out and sharing the faith is that the truth has to come from Jesus and be taught through the Holy Spirit and be reminded of through the Holy Spirit, to have remembrance through the Holy Spirit. But we also have to rely on the grace, the grace and the faith of Jesus Christ and his work on the cross um, to be able to be set free from our sins, to receive the Holy Spirit. And this, this explains very well, I think, um, a very clear image of what salvation is and how we receive it. But we also see through this um, verse in Proverbs that lying is an abomination to the Lord. Going so far as to say lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. But those who act faithfully are his delight. Now this is interesting because Proverbs isn't saying those who act perfectly are his delight. But rather those who act faithfully, those who put their faith in the Lord are his delight. So that gives a lot of comfort to us as Christians. We know we're not perfect. We know we don't have everything right. But if we're acting out of a place of faith in the Lord, then we are his delight. He delights in us. And that's so amazing, I think. But we also get this picture of lying being this horrible uh, this horrible thing. Um, and then we look at John 4.24 saying, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So we get this other picture of saying truth is necessary for true worship in the Lord. Um, to truly worship God, we have to do it in the spirit and in truth. That's interesting. It's very interesting. So there's something about truth that helps us to have life, that that uh, that sets us free. Um, and I would go so far as to saying that knowing the truth does give us life because Jesus is the truth. Knowing Jesus Christ and believing in the truth, and by believing in the one he has sent as his representative, the Holy Spirit, who teaches us, reminds us of the truth. These things interlap a lot. It's very important to abide in truth. And so it makes very much sense. My cat's playing with my bag. It makes very much sense that um, truth is such a pivotal part of the faith. Um, having this truth creates a standard where we can separate. Um, wow, he's really having fun here. Um, good from evil. We can really separate God's action and his influence against Satan's action and his influence. Um, we also see that the truth sets us free and that abiding in the truth is very important for worshiping the Lord. If we're to pour our life to him, if we're to pour out our bodies um, to worship the Lord, then we have to do so in truth and in spirit. And again, lying is incredibly sinful in the eyes of the Lord. Um, and I would, I, would go, I would go far as to say, if we think about it, it makes sense. Because lying is synonymous with the very acts of Satan. Satan lied. And that's how we even became fallen creatures. So it makes very much sense to me that distorting truth or just lying outright is something very, very horrible um, to God. I have another verse here. So I guess um, I informed you incorrectly. This is the final verse here. Romans 12 verse 1. This is the ESV translation, just as all these other verses are. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Therefore, 
In order to give our bodies and lives as a sacrifice to God, we must know and live according to the truth given to us by Jesus Christ. It's part of presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. It's part of being holy and acceptable to God. But, I also want to be clear here, um, that we do not um, strive for this. I mean, we, I think we do strive to know the truth. But these things are given to us. God has given us righteousness. God, by His grace, has given us new life. Um, so it's dangerous to start to slide into the um, salvation by um, works territory. That's not what I'm. That's not what I'm saying. But I think it is important those of us who have been born again, according to His grace and according to the faith He has given us, that if we want to truly be um, a sacrifice to God, if we truly want to spiritually worship Him, then we have to be honest and know that truth is a very important part of that. Um, and this has very important implications for us in how we live our life. Um, in wrapping all of this up, we can see very clearly that the belt of truth is incredibly important. And it is critical to those who dwell in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, what do we do from here? What is the encouragement? What is the encouragement we take from today? And that is, we should seek to understand the truth immensely. If truth truly is freedom, as Jesus Christ said as it is, and if Jesus Christ is truth, then knowing truth is knowing Jesus. Having abiding in truth and acting according to the truth is to follow the way of Jesus and our Lord and our Savior and our Redeemer. And what does this mean? This means studying our Bible vigorously. It means being in the Word of God daily, soaking it up like we would um, enjoy food um, it's our sustenance. It's it's this resource that allows us to um, live these lives with the with the Lord. If we want to go out with the armor of God um, to fight Satan and to bring other people to the faith, then we have to be fueled um, by truth. We have to have the truth. It's our belt. It's what keeps our pants up. And we don't want to run into battle and just have our pants fall down. Um, that's very shameful. That's very awkward. Um, and so to keep ourselves up, to keep ourselves um, in good order, we need this belt of truth. Um, and truth is pivotal to everything else we talk about um, with this armor. Because um, they're not necessarily independent of each other. I think they overlap a lot. In every other aspect that we talk about with this armor of God, um, truth is going to be part of it. I think it's part of the reason um, Paul lists truth as being um, one of the first things. This also means we need to know the truth. Um, at least enough of the truth of this world and of testifying in this world to be able to share and defend our faith. And when I say the world, I mean if someone who's not a believer comes up and talks to you and you start talking about the Bible and um, what it says and why you have faith in these things, what if they say, well, why should I believe the Bible? And so we have this apologetic element as well of trying to show people that God is real, that Jesus was real, that the Bible is credible, and these things take truth and logic and reason as well. Um, and this is part of being a steadfast servant, just as I talked about in uh, the series uh, Servitude of Warfare, is to be persistent about sharing and defending the faith. And I think that's what we take it for, away from this, is that we should not underestimate how much the truth can set us free. We should not estimate how much truth can drastically change our life. Because Jesus Christ is truth. It, it is truth saving us, but it's also Jesus Christ saving us himself. Um, so knowing the truth and living the truth um, can only bring us good things, can only help us see uh, what is not of God and what is of God.
and it helps us to give ourselves up as a spiritual as spiritual worship as a sacrifice to God and ultimately that's what we're called to do we're called to be unworthy servants just doing our duty giving up our lives and our bodies for the sake of Christ for the sake of his gospel so wow my cat is really getting rambunctious here so I'm gonna wrap things up in prayer um, and yeah I thank you Lord Jesus Christ for being here today with us and um, teaching us and reminding us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for dwelling in us, for sealing us in your spirit, um, allowing us to know the truth, to understand your ways, to see your face, Lord. Um, and I just pray that you would not let um, the glory of this of this slide by. pray that you would help us see that um, being able to understand and know the truth is being able to understand and know you, God, our Lord Jesus Christ, which is such an honor and such a blessing. And deep down, we all yearn and ache for you, Lord. So I pray that you would help us to be diligent about seeking you in your word, about seeking the truth in the word of God, um, and being persistent in sharing the faith and defending the faith, Lord. We thank you for teaching us and being gracious to us and reminding us of all that Jesus Christ has taught us. Um, and Lord, I just pray that we would pour out our lives as a living sacrifice um, for your sake and for the gospel. Um, Help us, Lord, to abide in the truth, to abide in life, in grace, and peace, and joy, and love. Uh, we pray all of these things in Jesus Christ's name. Uh, mighty, mighty name. Amen. Okay, guys, that wraps up this episode. I don't think this episode went on very long, um, but I'll be back soon for the second day of the series. In the next one up, we start with the Bells of Truth. The next um, piece is the Breastplate of Righteousness. I think that episode will probably drag on a little longer than this one will, because um, exploring the topic of righteousness um, is a little bit more in-depth than exploring the topic of truth. So, I love you guys. God bless you all. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this has been helpful, um, enjoyable, um, informative for you guys, and um, pray that you guys are safe and that you guys are pursuing the faith and pursuing the Lord um, and that you guys are being provided for. So. I'll be back soon for day two of the series, Armor of God, um, to speak about the breastplate of righteousness.